Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. You got it. That's the big 5-0. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the loose cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar, but watch out for that spice. Let's do this. All right, welcome to a special episode. I am super hyped about this because we have used the She's a 10 platform to give recognition to, to try to inspire people to learn more and lean into the anniversary of Title IX, which today is the anniversary, June 23rd. Here we go, 50 years. So I am super grateful to bring two amazing ladies. You cannot see them, but they are wearing capes. They they are superheroes in their own right. We have Dana Sorensen and we have Laura Marcus, two very different takes on the issue. Just to give a backdrop of why she's a 10 times five uh, got involved in this. I am a former Division One athlete. I don't know if I would have been able to get into school without uh, the platform of athletics. I certainly wouldn't have gotten the money to do it. And this speaks very, very deeply to my heart. And there are so many girls out there that given the opportunity to participate in athletics, they get to do it and uh, get a great education and a whole bunch more that goes along with that. So without further ado, I am going to just do a really short intro of both ladies. Okay, first and foremost, Dana Sorensen. She has had a long, successful playing career that spanned from Stanford University to the National Professional Fast Pitch League. That's a tongue twister. And USA National Team. In her career, she was named an NFCA All-American, not once, not twice, but three times, played in two Women's College World Series, which those are badass. I love watching that. And was inducted into the Stanford Athletics Hall of Fame. Dana has a really unique business in helping athletes get the most out of their sport without the extreme pressures that come with elite athletics. Okay, now I'm flipping it over to Laura Marcus, who I refer to, I said, as the general. She has been behind some of the most successful sports television programs ever created. As a renowned expert in talent booking, talent relations, and entertainment marketing, she most recently has been working on some of the Title IX programming that will be launched in tangent with the Title IX anniversary. Welcome, both of you, ladies. Thank you. Yeah. We get Dana's nice really to be here. Yeah, Dana's really serious. <laughs> you, you can't see her, but like I love it. The intensity is just it's palpable. Okay, ladies, she's first, got a let's game face on. She's got her game face on, as she should, because you know, she works with athletes. So we have two different ladies with two different takes. And, you know, first and foremost, I, I think Title IX is somewhat of a misconstrued thing. But the bottom line is it levels the playing field for women's sports and education for federally funded programs. And we have this big anniversary and 50 years is a long time. Yeah. So oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, so you went to Stanford, but you've been dealing with athletes a long time. I would love your take on what Title IX means to you and where you think it helps and, and maybe some things that, you know, some personal experiences that you have had with athletes that have had the ability to leverage it. Sure, yeah. Um, when I got to Stanford, it was about four years, I think it was four or five years after they had uh, elevated the program from a club sport to a varsity, you know, scholarship-based sport. So I, I kind of capitalized at the right time. And and not that Stanford did that, you know, in a direct relation to tri- Title IX, I'm sure, um, you know, Stanford's very progressive and, and we're probably Title IX compliant prior to adding softball. But with more programs across the country adding softball at that time, you know, to get into compliance with Title IX, you know, Stanford decided that they wanted to be competitive in this field of softball. And so they, they promoted their club team to a varsity team. So I was able to, you know, probably get to Stanford at the right time, you know, when they were, you know, turning it over to scholarship athletes and, and trying to build a national contender. So um, in an indirect way, you know, my opportunities at Stanford are directly related, you know, to Title IX. And, you know, anytime you compete, male or female at a, at a division one institution, division two, three, let alone a Stanford, like you set yourself up in life for future opportunities, whatever career path that you happen to take, right. Everything the athletics brings to the table, teamwork, discipline, you know, work effort, all those good things, right. Like you're a more attractive candidate in any field when you go into the professional sector. Um, so I took my college playing experience and I rolled with it into graduate school and my playing experiment experience helped me get into graduate school where I got my uh, master's in sports administration. So we got really into title nine and the history of it. And, and Laura, you're right. It's very misinterpreted and it's very misunderstood. Um, But I think the word that, that comes to mind for me, is just opportunity. It just gives more athletes across the board, uh, female athletes opportunities to pursue, pursue what athletics can bring, you know, on the field, off the field, so to speak. So now I work with uh, youth athletes. So I run a sports performance, uh, program for youth athletes. And the really cool thing is we get athletes signing up for our program because they want to be better softball players, volleyball players, soccer players, what have you, right? They come in for that goal. But the reality is, is that they wouldn't be pursuing their sport if Title IX didn't give them those opportunities over the course of 50 years. And the fact that they're in our facility means that we get to introduce, you know, things beyond the normal scope of sports. We get to introduce, you know, lifting weights. We get to introduce, you know, uh, training elements that they're not exposed to. And I think you can see, you know, what's happening outside of of the federally funded uh, institutional level of Title IX opportunities when you look at things like CrossFit, right? Like the CrossFit games to me are an indirect result of what Title IX has offered. Uh, because now you're seeing female athletes who are pursuing their sports as byproduct, they're training, they're lifting, they're getting stronger, they're feeling empowered. And when their career may end or shift, they're getting into cool things like CrossFit and they're competing in, in fitness activities and they're seeing the value of being strong, confident women. Um, and we're building those communities that that maybe aren't as structured as we see college athletics, but they're very much uh, a part of what Title IX has built for female athletes over the last 50 years. So that's really cool for me because I I love it when I get a 15-year-old girl who starts lifting some weights to be a better softball player and then is so excited when she, you know, pulls her heaviest deadlift she's ever pulled and the excitement and joy of just her, just her putting that effort in and achieving that success. Nobody else but her. She did it. She got stronger. And to see what that does for females going, you know, leaving our gym and just going out into the world, like they are confident, strong individuals as a result of the training that they're putting in to be a better softball player, 
because Title IX has given them opportunities to pursue their sport and try to get to college or maybe get to a national team or a pro league. So that's really fun for me. I like seeing our young women um, start to become um, badasses out there in all aspects. And, and we all have Title IX to thank for it. Amen to that. You know, it's an interesting fact, and I didn't know this uh, before I, I got on the crusade of supporting the, the 50th anniversary. 97% of C-suite women are former athletes. And most of those are, you know, college athletes. So, and and I look at from a personal standpoint, uh, you know, just the things you learn on, at my alma mater, we call it the fields of friendly strife. But, you know, between the lines, whatever you want to call it, having that infrastructure, having the teamwork, having teammates, having that stability, the consistency, the schedule, the discipline, I think that that gives women so much more empowerment nowadays. And I think that seeing, you know, gosh, seeing women now on ESPN, I mean, we we never used to do that. You know, whether it's softball or soccer, I mean, soccer's kind of been the one sport that everyone like World Cup and whatnot leans into. But even women's lacrosse is getting, you know, attention that it deserves. And um, and I love seeing it. So, Commander, you, you're behind the scenes on this, right? Working with some heavy hitters. Um, very, very much behind the scenes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very, but yes and no, But you, and you're dealing with some sledgehammers, some real high-profile people. It, talk us through what you're doing, what you've been involved with, and, and why this, is, this 50th anniversary is resonating so much with not just athletes, but with public figures. And, and we're, we're pumping out content on just about every platform, whether it's ESPN, Hulu, Disney. Can you tell us like kind of what's going on behind the scenes and why? Well, I think over the last few years, um, people are starting to embrace empowerment of women, which they clearly didn't for so, so long. Um, and it coincides with the 50th anniversary, which um, people are starting to acknowledge means something. As you said, the statistics on C-suite women executives and, and where they started in, in athletics, you know, it, you can quantify it now. So I think it was the perfect storm and they want to celebrate women in sports and they're using the anniversary to do that. So I've, I've actually worked on some cool programming this year because um, throughout my career, most of what I worked on were male sports you know, heavy with football and basketball, football and baseball more than anything, but, you know, basketball. And uh, I did work on World Cup soccer in 2015, which was awesome when uh, Team USA won. But I, I'm now doing more and more female sports. And I just did a documentary with Candace Parker and Turner um, to celebrate the 50th anniversary. That actually was the first one, I think, that aired. So it's already aired, but you could probably check it out on uh, tbs.com, uh, you know, for Turner. Yeah, and, that, and that's um, called, what, 30, the, the 37 words, correct? Candace has a lineup. Um, she has a lineup of really great athletes. I think Peyton Manning and Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. and Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just did two shows for CBS, actually, last week. We recorded them. One of them already aired this past Sunday on CBS, and they did a whole day's worth of women's programming, women's sports. But um, we had Chelsea Clinton on that. Uh, We had Allie Krieger, and she got to celebrate, you know, finally getting um, equal pay with the the men's soccer team, which 
they fought for for so long. And I mean, that's really cool. Catherine Lehman, who is the assistant or the deputy secretary for civil rights for the Department of Education, who explained, you know, just how that department operates and how they try to make sure that things are equitable. But we also recorded another one that's going to air on CBS Sports Network. Actually, it's airing tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. And that has several NIL athletes. So, you know, the the new young athletes who are finally getting to, yeah, yeah, who are finally uh, reaping the benefits. Plus, um, Alicia Montagna, um, who isn't a retired track and field star. I mean, she's still competing in other things, but she fought the fight for equality in women who she, when she uh, became a mother, there was no equality for how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, Just, you know, to even be able to bring her child to matches with her there, you know, they weren't allowed to. So there were, there were all kinds of things that they're still working through, but yeah, that this is, it's a good show. So it's it's nice to be working on things that are important and are bringing attention to all the work that people have done before. The documentary that Candace Parker did included the, the great Billie Jean King. And, you know, no one set the stage more for equality in, in women's sports than she did. Yeah. Talk about charging the hill when no one was wanting to follow. I mean, she, she has been bold and brave. Yeah, never wavered. N- never, not once. Dana, I'd like to get your take on this. I have two boys, and uh, they both participate in athletics. Now they're both college bound, and and they're they're not at that Division One level of participation. But I think it's so very very important that we not only galvanize women to support other women, and especially with education and and sports, but getting guys to do it too, Right. And I think when we can start to get men to also embrace it and not just as a fan, but understand that there needs to be that equal opportunity for women to participate. Are you seeing as you work with more athletes, that kind of evolution of of mindset happening? So, yeah, I mean, we have both professional uh, athletes in our facility and we have high school athletes and you know, every time the world series rolls around or, you know, now it's even earlier than that because ESPN is putting so many regular season softball games on air. I mean, I will always get the pro guys are, you know, our professional baseball players saying, Hey, did you see that, you know, that game today? Or like, what are your thoughts on Oklahoma? Or how would you, you know, we had a pro guy ask me the day, like, how would you pitch to Oklahoma if you had to, you know, call pitches against their, you know, against their offense. So they're definitely recognizing they're watching, they're paying attention um, to to what's happening in, in women's sports, which is awesome. Um, and then on the younger levels, like we pride ourselves in combining our, our boys and girls, you know, in a training environment, because I want every single one of our males that participates in our facility to see what our women, you know, our female athletes are doing. I want them to know that they're working just as hard. You know, they, at some point, it's funny, like we get, you know, from the middle school, early high school. So their strength is kind of similar. The boys haven't, you know, gotten through puberty that haven't hit their peak testosterone. So the girls are hanging with them for a while, you know, and it's really important that they see that from the, from the beginning, you know, they're equals, you know, the first time they step in the gym and there's no other reason to think otherwise. And just because, you know, boys biologically will get a little more testosterone and they'll naturally be a little stronger. It doesn't mean that they can't see the effort that the that the females are putting in and that they're pushing themselves. So we are very, very 
high on combining our athletes for that very reason. We never want an all male gym or all women's gym. Cause we do think like you have to empower the women, but you have to get our young males to start recognizing and realizing that, that women are athletes. We do our, we do some special things too. And, you know, you can change that narrative when they're young. I mean, that they have to be taught that women can't compete. They don't know any different, you know? So we try to control that narrative in a positive way for our athletes. And, and I know that our girls love competing against our boys in, in lifting and, and it's fun for them. It's, it's a good challenge for them. So yeah, I think it's turning, but I think it's our job, you know, to, to loop them in and it's our job to kind of challenge some of the men around us in, in how they see female athletes. Yeah, I just pin my boys against the wall and then there's no questions asked. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, Laura, what's your take on that? I mean, you know, we've again, we talked a little bit about, you know, Peyton Manning and people are lending their voice and their brand to it. Is that sincere? Is it because they're fathers now? Is it what's your thoughts? I, I think it is sincere. I don't think, you know, they have to do that, but I think they see the benefit and I do think they care about their daughters and future generations. And I, and it's very important to, to have them amplify the message. Yep. Um, so I, I applaud them for doing it, but I, yeah, I, I don't think there are ulterior motives. I think they're doing it for the right reasons. Awesome. Okay. What's your guys' hopes? We'll start with you, Dana. Look in your crystal ball and five years from now, Title IX still has a, a, a bit to go. We in we societally with our the constructs of what how we are. What is your hope five to ten years from now? I think my hope is we start seeing women coaching men. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, we we've started to, but not not on in a major way. But yes, yeah, started. yeah. I'd like to see that ripple grow. Um, and we see a lot. I mean, I know in our sport in softball, it's it's reaching some of its peak. At, you know, viewership for college game and, and you look at the world series, I think they had their highest attendance and, and we're getting a lot of, lot of men interested in coaching our sport, which is awesome. Cause the better, the more minds that grow the game, they grow the game. Right. But I want to see it the other way. I want to see women start coming into, you know, men's sports and, and providing their insight and their input and their opinion and being valued for it. You know, you don't have to have played the sport at the highest level to be a quality coach and, and make a team better. So that's one of my number one. And then I guess my number two is however we can grow the professional side of sports for the team aspect. I know tennis and golf do a great job and the individual thing seems to have kind of their groove, you know, thanks to the Billie Jean Kings of the world. Uh, but the team sports, I'd like to see uh, grow and figure out the model that does work in, in capturing viewers and capturing attendance. Um, so I hope in five to 10 years that has grown and, and our female athletes are making a living playing a professional sport without having to have a second job on the side. Ding, ding. Love it. Laura, you're, you're up. I'm up. Well, um, I, I definitely think that we have ways to go, but um, but it's it's def it's going in the right direction. And I like that you know the networks are taking women's sports more seriously. If they actually spend as much on covering women's sports as they do the men's sports, I think that the audience will grow too. I think if it looks as slick as the men's products the importance will be uh, attributed to it. You know, I don't think the audience notices or realizes that when you don't use as many cameras, it just doesn't look as good. And they'll, they'll use more cameras for a men's game than the same women's game in most cases, you know, an NBA game versus a WNBA game, that type of thing. You know, so I think as they start to really spend more money in production, it'll, 
it will elevate the product. And also, you know, Title IX is a catch-all phrase, and they do need to figure out how to refine that so that they don't alienate people because sometimes people hear that word and they latch on to one aspect of it that doesn't necessarily apply to sports or applies to one aspect of sports that maybe they haven't worked out. So they, they do need to, and I know they're, they're doing that constantly. I think later this month, they're announcing some new changes to, to, to the rulings. So, you know, as society evolves, so will the law, but basically equality is a good thing and we need to further it. Yeah. Well, I've got two and you both know that I was somewhat of a trailblazer. So I was one of the earlier graduating uh, female classes of West Point. And I go back on the regular because I, I try to stay involved. I always tell people that West Point has given me more than I'll ever be able to give back to it. But I love the fact that when I go there, it's not a female cadet anymore. It, they're just all cadets, if that makes sense. And and I hope that it's the same. It's not women's sports. It's just you're just an athlete. It's just like there's not that qualifying moniker that we have to put in front of it. So, you know, when I go back to, to the academy, it's just like, oh, there's that cadet or this cadet. So, and Dana, I'm going to put you on the spot on this because I know she was your roommate and you know that I've been stalking you to, to get me to be able to talk to her. Jessica Mendoza, I love to see when women are the face of a sport or they're involved, they're calling plays, color analysts, you know, she's doing the Dodgers. We're seeing more and more women that are side by side, shoulder to shoulder with men um, on the sidelines, actually as part of the media. And so Melissa Stark's going to be doing Sunday night football. So that is something that makes me feel really, really good because I am a super fan, especially of football. And my kids, it took me a while. I, I always laugh because they know that I know more than them, even though I'm a I'm a girl, right? So I love to see that women are now getting those opportunities to be the face of sports. All right, so here's the deal. So a couple things of takeaways is one is there is a coalition that's out there that is kind of like we are, the perfect trifecta. It's the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative and the Women's Sports Foundation, and there's a legal entity involved. It is called Demand 9. They have a website, and if you are inclined to do so, they are trying to get people to sign the petition. I signed it. It's very easy. It's online. You just do it. That is one way to support the Title IX and the anniversary. Second thing is there are as Laura said, some great, great programming to educate yourself. And all, educate all the people. networks have done it. Yeah. ESPN, uh, Hulu, as you said. Um, yeah. But and the best ones are the ones on Turner and CBS. Excellent. <laughs> and then the other thing is if you are inclined to do so, she's a 10 times five. We launched and we we got really good support from Billie Jean King's team. And on social, it's a fun social challenge in which we have called Don't Drop the Ball on Title IX. And it's a way for you to put something on your social media to show support and hopefully raise awareness and you get to challenge people. And the concept is you take your favorite ball and you say, this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX and you challenge some of your friends, an athlete, whatever, and then you pass it along. So there are ways in which we can all support the efforts and continue to galvanize um, the issue. And so I'm going to leave with thank everyone for listening. And Dana, who are you going to challenge? 
Who am I going to challenge? Uh, I'm going to challenge uh, first-year pro softball player Maggie Ballant out of uh, San Diego State, just graduated this year, just moved into the pros, um, doing her thing for for women's athletics and and being a badass along the way. So. Okay. Laura, who are you challenging? I'm, I'm, hoping, it's challenge... Brand, I'm hoping it's Brandy Chastain. <laughs> I can challenge Brandy Chastain. I would think Brandy would want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I was also going to say Michael Strahan. He has two daughters who, you know, I think um, he should stand up and support Title IX. I think he should do it. Okay, excellent. And you're not going to challenge Jess? Oh, I, I mean, I could. You know, she's probably being challenged left and right everywhere right now. That's so. okay. Our challenge is that the, we're, we're better than all those other challenges. Want <laughs> <laughs> to bring another the the next generation in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. All right, I so appreciate you guys' time and this will, you know, launch on the anniversary and let's just keep doing great things for other women. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. Signing off. Thanks everyone for listening. (laughs) Okay. bye. Bye. Hey gang, make sure you're following us on Instagram so you can see the latest content on our guests and our fun episode moments. That's she's a 10 times five T I M E S and then the numeric 10 and 5. And also, come check us out on Patreon at She's a 10 Times 5. Every week we do a session called Gossip. Get it? Take a sip of something special, a splash of something that you like, and come join us for current affairs, a little controversial stuff that we like to talk about. And also, we'll rehash the guest of the week and the topic. And it's a whole lot of fun and a way to engage. Yes. And wherever you're listening, don't forget to hit subscribe and share with friends. And really, let us know what you think by shooting us a comment. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at she's a 10 times five. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe. 